All righty, everybody. So uh, welcome to uh, this, our 61st or something episode. I think last week I said it was our 70th. I think I might have been jumping the gun a little bit. That will be uh, probably sometime in October. But uh, but welcome. Today we got kind of a hodgepodge show for you. It may or may not last a full hour. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how we're feeling and uh, and and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, how are things going out there? It's kind of a quiet week. A lot of guys. And, and normally we would be kind of on an airplane today, going to Scotland. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people on Facebook heading over to uh, to Scotland, which uh, is pretty exciting. It is the time of season. Yeah, I've been doing like I've been doing mad programming here this week. <laughs> I've been like, uh, if I shared my screen with you, I think your eyes would go a little cross-eyed. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to have like a little bit of time on your hands, you know. Yeah. I guess it's a good substitute if you're not in Glasgow, uh, you know, piping and listening to pipes. You can code. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. It's kind of like it's kind of like bagpipe music writer, it just works on you know for everything. So. Uh, that's kind of what that's kind of what life is like. Yeah, and it's, it's what's the tenth anniversary of piping live this year too, which I think uh, should be pretty special over there this this year. They got a lot going on. Yes, indeed, they're doing they, they do such great things over there. It's hard to it's kind of hard to describe, um, you know. I think, but it yeah. really is like a really cool festival, um, and there's just so much so much going on in Glasgow, and then you know. It's the unofficial things that go on in Glasgow as well, like so-and-so is having a practice at 10 a.m. So you see a bunch of people yeah. there, and then you go then you go down to so-and-so, and then you hit the uh, the Blue Lagoon. Exactly. <laughs> Get some takeout, some and, carry-out. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe uh, Carl's going to be over next week, so maybe we'll get him signed on uh, on Wednesday, and we'll get a couple cameos from Yeah, that'd be cool. As long as he's big. got internet over there, uh, well, awesome. Yeah, I think I think I mean I think it's the usual sort of affairs with uh, recitals, the piping center, a lot of sort of informal lunchtime music going on on stage there in their little pub that they set up outside. Um, but uh, and I think oh. right now that I think Rob Matheson's got a nice art exhibit <laughs> that's uh, going to be showing awesome. as well. So so all kinds of cool stuff, you know. I forgot. Uh, I forgot when we saw that. It might have been when he was teaching with us. The, the man is quite the painter. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, and so he's got like his own art exhibit. It's pretty cool. Well, um, speaking of exhibits, um, one of the things that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks at Dojo U, which I thought we could kind of review a little bit today, is some of the cool pipe hacking that you got going on, Vin. Um, I don't think we yeah. posted. Um, I don't think we posted your one on flapper valves, flapper valve uh, but, uh, but I, I really like the, we will post it. I, I just, I haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah. and so I don't know, like Vin, show us, um, can you give us a brief review of the water trap one that you did? Mm -hmm. Cause I thought it was pretty cool. And like, yeah, you know, and, and maybe a brief review of what the heck is this pipe hacking DIY business anyway? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I posted up, a, um, a file during the class, which was sort of what I called the three E's to pipe hacking, which is explore, uh, examine, and execute. So you sort of explore your problem, and it's not even, it's not even just a sort of a, a, a mindset for sort of making DIY projects. It's more a mindset to sort of uh, examine, you know, and, and sort of take care of the stuff that you do as a musician, you know, as well as uh, as a piper, you know, just the way you, how you play your music, you know, how you approach things. Uh, so it's more a mindset than anything else, not really a, you know, sort of, do, always doing your own projects for, for your bagpipe. But, you know, it comes from this sort of idea that um, pipers, you know, for a long time, for forever, really, have always been doing things on their own themselves. The DIY ethic has always been at work for pipers. You know, like if you go, you know, you look back onto the Ian Dahl Chan or if you go to the piping center, it's on display there, I think. And, uh, you know, the thing has been bound with cords because it's cracked and it's, you know, it's got some sort of gunk in the holes and then it's redrilled for tuning purposes, obviously. So, you know, and, you know, there was no commercial project products for, for these guys. You know, they were just doing it on their own, figuring out their own solutions, you know, thinking, like, well, what, what would what would fill this hole and actually serve my purpose? You know, um, stuff like that. So in, in one of the first books that came out uh, for sort of techniques and tips was uh, John, Captain John McClellan's uh, Piper's Handbook. 
And uh, I think it's still in print. I think you can still get it. But, it, it, you know, he goes through a lot of different things about, you know, how to work with cane drone reeds and all this other stuff. And, you know, in it, he had a water trap that consisted of basically a cork at the bottom of your stock with a tube through the middle of the cork that just basically collected spit. You know, it just allowed air to go through and it collected spit and you just dump it every now and then, which is sort of more of a precursor to our modern water traps, which are a tube jammed into the bottom of your blow stick usually. Um, and that's what that was the class that I did. Uh, the first one I did was sort of making this. If I can sort of pull back and you can see it. This is basically, this is as commercial as it gets because most of the things you buy are basically this. You know, uh, and it's the way that the light sort of shone off that vin, it made you look. Yeah, like, right. It's like, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So, That's yeah, a, this... a heck of a water trap. I will tell yeah. you from my experience with water traps, it will not stay that uh, pristine looking for very long. As a matter of no, fact. it won't. They get Especially pretty foul. Anyone, <laughs> any former smokers out there, it's going to get pretty gross. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not even gross. Doesn't even begin to describe what a smoker's water trap looks like. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they get pretty gunked up, and it's still and it's silicone, which is supposed to be antimicrobial, right? But uh, other things can certainly grow on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the class was just basically just going through the steps, and when I basically made one of these, you know, um, and you know, it's just a silicone tube. You drill some holes in the end. You know, you uh, plug it up one end. This was the tricky part right here. This was the elbow, which goes in the bottom of your stock, which typically is, it sort of would be, you know, you just jam the tube in there. But this one actually has an elbow, which sort of sends the tube to the back of the bag, you know, which is cool. And this one sort of you ground, this is just a three-quarter inch hose connector elbow <clears throat> with an O-ring. So I gouge a slot in there for the O-ring, and the O-ring just sort of tightly sort of sits in there, and that's not going anywhere. So, and that's it's pretty cool. Flows. Good. And we don't use the uh, we don't use the elbows. I mean, I kind of I felt generally speaking that the elbow is maybe a little bit restrictive. You don't find that? No, no. I think I think it's it's really um, as long as we got enough holes cut in the back there, it's really just it's a it's a constant flow. There's really I mean they're not that thick. I mean maybe not even a sixteenth inch thick the wall of this connector. You know, so it's yeah. not really that restrictive. It's just it is pretty much a an even sort of flow of air, but um, yeah, so I've used one of those for a while, for a long time, and they, they work great. I mean, they're certainly not. I I think it's actually better than some of the stuff you can buy out there. You know, some of the stuff those tube traps you buy are kind of flimsy and you know. Does kind the of lame. elbow come out of the split stock if you use a split stock? Uh, it could. Yeah, I mean, it just jams into the bottom of the of the stock. So obviously, you need access to the bottom of your stock. So if you got a zipper bag, you know, this is ideally would be for yeah. a zipper bag. You put it in the sheepskin, you put those in there, it's not going anywhere, and you're not going to access it until you change bags, you know. Yeah, if you don't have a zipper, then then it doesn't really work because if you need access to it. Yeah, and it's so just in there forever. Use the standard ones for the sheep. Exactly. So uh, but I think, you know, the water trap is just, a, 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 I think, a necessary thing for anybody. No matter what kind of blower you are, it's, you know, if you're a wet blower, dry blower, whatever, it's, I think having a water trap is just that added extra thing. And you don't have to, you know, and it's, the cost of this is probably, I want to say, like maybe three dollars. <laughs> you know, given the length, yeah. you got to buy the tube, obviously, but that's probably the most expensive part of it. You know, we find we do a lot of stuff like that. We do manometers as well, which use similar materials. Um, and you know, for us, the value comes in the man hours. So, so when you buy it, you know, when you buy it retail, I mean, or you know, like if you buy a tube trap. I mean, you're really paying for people to put it together because yeah, at least exactly. at the moment there aren't any giant machines anywhere that make little tubes with holes in them. Exactly. I've seen lots of you know, and lots of people have their own solutions. Like I've seen some uh, uh, traps that use the corrugated tubing, you know, the, the sort of accordion type tubing, you know, with corrugation, in it, and, and that seems to do a good fair job of like keeping the moisture in there without it dipping into your bag. But those are flimsy, you know, and they just sort of flop yeah, around inside your bag. And, out too. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and these, these silicone tubes have a natural curve, so they just sort of they'll automatically just curve up into the back of your bag without any kind of adjustment. So it just uh, it's good for that, you know. And, and the moisture just dumps right out because it's nice and smooth on the inside. You know? Cool. I mean, that's pretty good. And I know you did one on flapper valves, and I, I did. Uh, flapper valve one was, was is kind of cool. That's like you know, if, if anybody's out there has been playing long enough and remembers cutting leather valves for your blow stick before there was such a thing as I, I you know, little max and stuff. 
you had to chew them all the time, keep them soft so they sealed the hole and it was disgusting and they eventually dry out and fall off while you're playing, you know, sometimes, which is kind of annoying. And, uh, you know, so, you know, making your own flappers was always a thing that you had to do as a piper, right? You always had to cut your, uh, you know, your own flapper out of the excess leather from your bag or something like that. And, and that was always a pain in the neck. But uh, so I, I came up with this sort of, and there's rubber ones out there. You can buy like little rubber valves that you can tie on to your blow stick. Let me see if I've got one here. I got one here that looks like that. Got this one, this, which I bought sometime ago. But this is, it's also flimsy, you know? And it's also just sort of, and, it, and this rubber dries out. I found. So what is your, uh, what is so my, my solution was this, this was one way on, on pipehacker.com. You can find a project to do another way, um, which is the little copper stem, which goes on there like that. But the, the material is essentially a uh, standard bathroom silicone, uh, sort of layered out, uh, in a frame in a certain thickness, just, and so you create a sheet of material basically, which is just elastic silicone. It's just, and when it dries, it's like stretchy and it's, you know, basically indestructible and it doesn't ever dry out <laughs> or crack or anything. And it's nice and soft. So it sucks right into the hole and it, and it creates a nice seal. Um, so I've been using these for a long time and uh, cool. I got a bunch of extras here too. We do. Um, and, and I think Carl, are you good to show us how we do it here? Cause uh, uh, we do the old one, the old, the sort of standard version, but Carl, yeah. we'll show you how Carl does it here. Cause ours is very DIY as well. And, and we're able to sell fiber valves at, at way less because we just kind of just kind of bang them out. Yeah, the, so, the secret uh, the secret to the to making the good flapper is making a good punch. I found. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to use the punch, but you know, get a decent punch going on it would be good. That's my sound. I think it's okay. Cool. So yeah, um, he was just Vin was just talking about the punch, and here's the one that I've made, um, and this is just a half inch uh, electrical pipe. Um, that I sharpened the edge and then um, just got a little uh, uh, notch out of there for the stem. So that's how I made my punch, and we'll I'll show you how how we make them. Got my handy favorite catalog and hammer. It doesn't really take too much force to do that. If you hit it too hard, you'll you'll dull the the tool. But that gives me a little. Um, just a little flapper part and then you have to cut out the stem which I just do with a pair of scissors and I kind of roughly cut it out first so I can get it in my hands and then fine-tune it try to stay in the camera here yeah, well I don't know if there's ever going to be a the light's not shining in the camera. Yeah, it's not illuminating your. Uh, <laughs> your yeah, take the camera back down there, Carl. It was better. Well, at least you can see now what I've cut. Oh yeah, yeah there, so, cool. there we go. Here we are, and it just takes practice to get it the right size and shape. And sometimes you'll have a tail going off the wrong direction, but that's the way I do it. And then you can buy. Uh, this is brass uh, bar. You can buy this at any hobby shop um, for not a whole lot. Uh, and I have a pair of... People have fiber valve making hobbies? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is just a pair of tin snips. Um, when when pipe, piping finally makes me lose my mind entirely, that's what I'm going to be doing. Me sitting in my room making flapper valves 24 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, we actually own a uh, we actually own a, a, a what are they called a sanitarium. It's called a pipe. pipe <laughs> it's good investment, man. Dot com, and uh, basically uh, the, all the people that have gone crazy from piping and and uh, you know or have caught. Um, what was it? Syphilis from Angus Mackay. They all go to, uh, they all go to our sanitarium, and then we have people making flapper valves all day. Exactly. That's great. They love giving back to the community. <laughs> so, uh, usually I, I don't have my file with me, but I'll file off the two corners here and just make it nice and smooth. Um, but uh, I took my bar stock, cut it down to the right size, and then split it in half just to get the right size there. And then you just need a trusty pair of, of pliers with needle nose. 
And the way that I um, form these, if you notice, most of the ones you buy from the stores, they come more or less like this with the flapper valve just stuck in there. Um, it's one bend and it's just kind of held in there in place by, uh, yeah. by tension. And that doesn't, those fall out and they break <laughs> and they don't really work. So here I am, I've, this is what most people do, except that it's way down here. Um, it's just the one little fold over and then it holds your flapper valve. I don't do that. Um, I start with that. And then I'm going to fold it over again, and so that the part of the rubber that's contacting the metal, there's no chance of it hitting a rough part of the metal. It's going to be a curved over piece. Um, so I don't know if you can see that now, but uh, I folded it over yet again. So there's a curved piece that is always in contact with the flapper, which will be kind of moving like this. So there's no chance that it's going to... Um, kind of get torn or or cause any issues um, and so that's just a very easy basic uh, flapper valve and one thing I like to do on my personal valves is in the back I like to on the, the stem part I like to put it in my pliers just protruding a little bit you can sort of see it there and then knock it over a bit so it gets a bit of an edge um, and now there's a lip here that's just a little bit um, sticks out just a little bit it's a, it's a little bit sharp I guess um, but if you put that down against your um, blow stick uh, it kind of digs into the wood a bit and there's no way it's ever going to move um, you know if you ever have that that kind of phantom sliding up syndrome where the the hemp compresses and it kind of pushes the flapper valve up high and then it doesn't work anymore um, that's a good way around it. See, I'm always notorious for, you know, sort of dropping the blow stick and then bending yeah. the little bending of the metal, and then it's completely out of alignment and stuff like that, and it's really annoying. I have to change it, and it's pain in the ass. But it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw that. I think the, the class I did, I used a, sort of a, a sort of a reverse sort of flap where you create this stem out of a, an old credit card. So it's, yeah. you know, an old hotel key or something, you know, and just little strips. That becomes your stem. You're not bending anything. You're just sort of using shrink tubing to keep the thing on there. Um, and that works as well. Um, so if you drop it, it doesn't really break or bend. <laughs> That's a good emergency one to keep around. I keep one of those always around in case I do drop my metal one and it just sort of bends forever out of shape and then I have to put a new one on and I just throw that on. And, you know, I'm good to go. Cool. So there you go. And this is the rubber we used. forget what exactly the thickness is, but it's like um, 32nd inch or something, 132nd. It's good stuff. High temperature. I don't know. It's all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's 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 funny. Like all these little things that you know, they're all failure points, right? They're all like possible failures for when you're playing. And you know, if you're not sort of armed with stuff that you can actually either repair, replace, or you know, you know will last, it's like you're you're sort of setting yourself up for a, you know, some sort of mishap <laughs> really i found you know because and it's and that's one of the problems with a lot of the commercial products out there it's like they're just sort of churned out and they don't really you don't really know how they're made and if they fail you got to get another one and it's opposed to like you know you make your own for the same a bunch for your for the same money and you can always have a steady supply you know yeah so. absolutely i mean if you have the patience to make them it's great um there uh, a lot of these i know have been played um, by or and more members at the Worlds. They're, they're, they're rock solid. So It's there weird. I mean, there are other flapper valves in the world that exist, um, uh, like the Little Mac and stuff like that, and those are all well and good. I think there's something comforting about absolutely knowing that your flapper valve uh, is not going to fail. Yeah, that's what, yeah exactly. That's, and making them by hand, uh, you know, the right way is good. Um I like mine are built in. See, I could be wrong. I think I kind of do a double. I think I have a double flapper happening right now. Yeah. Um, so you got a built-in valve and a flapper. Yeah, like I think my I think my Airstream or whatever mouthpiece that I uh, that I purchased a long time ago has one built in. It's got like you right. know basically yeah, like yeah. a little Mac is sort of built into the mouthpiece. And then I think I use another one um, that I, I think it's a. a don't quote me on this, but I think it's a dojo flapper. I don't know. But uh, anyway, 
There's something yeah, those, good and, about those, it. And those internal valves, you know, the little Max and the, and the Airstreams and all these, they have these built-in valves, and it seems great, but, you know, if they fail, or there's fall. no way to, yeah, there's no way to fix it. You know, there's absolutely no way to change. You have to either change it entirely or, um, there's, you know, you're out whatever you bought. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, they're so complicated. It's just, it just overcomplicates the thing where, where it's no reason to have all of this. Uh, it's pretty stuff. easy to flip one of those around if it starts to leak a little bit, but. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, Internal little, Mac's good. little Mac's good in a pinch. I also find it to be restrictive, like it restricts yeah. the air ever so slightly. And, and it doesn't so, fit in every blow stick. You know, I, I, you know the Little Mac, so you'd have to sort of there's some adjusting that has to go on before you actually put it in your, in your instrument. So it's not just a plug-and-play type of thing, you know. Who has tried the Moose Valve? I haven't tried it. Yeah, I've never tried that one. Yeah, we haven't tried it, Lynn, because we all have the, the split stocks, and that only really works if you're... Um, you don't have an extra water trap. Um, I know they sort of function as a water trap as well, but um, that's yeah. why we haven't done it. Yeah, you just have to. You sort of really you, it's sort of like solutions in search of a problem kind of thing when you see all these new valve things coming out. You know, it's like a you know, it's sort of basically all you need is something that flaps open when you blow and closes when you don't. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, that's it. the simplicity of it. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. Cool. Cool, Carl. Well, thanks for doing that. I guess is it my turn to come back on the camera? I guess. So. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Vin, I think I think we're gonna have you do more of those classes. You don't know it yeah, yet. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I got a bunch of other projects too that I haven't had the the chance to sort of write up and post on PipeHacker.com. You know, a couple of couple of things. It's just a. Takes a little more work than you than you realize <laughs> to put all that stuff together, but it's a uh, some cool stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. Got a couple of other projects that I have in the works, sort of in the hopper that I want to try. You fail a lot when you try these kinds of things, but it makes it fun, you know. Um, you know, failure is kind of part of the part of the equation, you know. You just sort of try something. I tried a lot of stuff in the past that just sort of just doesn't work out. <laughs> it's just you know, oh well, well that was worth a try, I guess, you know. Um, yeah, I've done. We we do that a lot here at the dojo. We we try new ideas, and not all of them work. I have ten feet of um, rigid tubing here that I was hoping would work for one of my projects, and well, I still have ten feet of it. And I have no idea what I'm going to use it for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll come in handy. Yeah, something. Yeah, make practice channel reads or something out of it. Yeah, cool. Hey, so like, here's my next thing. Here's the next thing that uh, I wanted to show you guys today. Um, you, some of you may remember the um, the Zoom recorder that we talked about in the past, um, where Love my Zoom. Uh, where you can sort of uh, record stuff Look in really high quality really easily. And I I have discovered this product, which uh, is really, really cool, which is basically the exact same thing as the Zoom recorder with arguably a better microphone than the Zoom handy recorder has. And it also includes high-definition video. I think it's Space Age uh, looking, man. Look at that. It is freaking cool, though, because now, you know, like, do you ever want to record your pipe band on the day of the games? And you either have to use a video camera with crappy sound or an audio recorder with no video. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is the clear solution, which is um, super good audio mixed with high-definition video. So you can sort of see what it looks like. And there's actually um, – and the cool thing about this is it's only 200 bucks uh, when I was searching around. That's um, really cool. And it really is, I mean, it's high definition. So, I mean, I would imagine you could have, like, automatic uploads to YouTube and looks like yes. Ustream and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, Ustream, so is, you, can is actually, it, you can actually so stream. So, a time limit on it then, like, you couldn't, I don't know, YouTube has, like, restricted restrictions on size. I don't know what that, what it does to the file. It must do the right things to the file, I would imagine, right? Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's in, in what's, what is it, MP4 H264 format which is what Ustream and all these guys use, yeah. and YouTube as well. And it has just sort of a standard um, SD card that you use for storage. Yeah. So, so you can purchase like a 16 gigabyte one, uh, and that's going to give you some pretty um, um, yeah. some pretty yeah, good Yeah, Tony stuff. says a flip camera with better audio, and isn't that a special thing? So we have like an actual, we'll have video of, of 
pipe bands with decent audio, there's a special thing. Yeah, one of the things that uh, one of the things that we're going to get into in Aura More this year is we're going to get into making uh, YouTube videos um, for for use with coaching, uh, and this is going to be a really really great tool because the problem with it's possible. Uh, it's possible to sort of set up a camera that's halfway decent and get decent sound and do it through your computer and upload it to YouTube, but it's a real pain in the butt. Do you find that, Vin? Like, yeah, you know, it, it totally is. Because so you know, easier to have yeah. so much easier to have like one unit that you can use. Mm-hmm. And you constantly, you know, and then you got to have access to the to the. You can't just like push the button and let it run and do your thing. You have to like the computer needs management. You got to like click and do this and open that and do this and then have it ready to go and then it's got to sit somewhere in an ideal situ- spot, right? So. You know, you're balancing it on your dresser somehow, you know, to get the camera position right or something. And, uh, and then the mic's not positioned properly, right? Then the mic is kind of in a weird place and doesn't capture the right kind of audio and sounds weird. And that's, that's been my experience. It's very frustrating. But, yeah, this, this looks like, I mean, I'm sure it's probably got a standard tripod, uh, you know, jack on the bottom of it, I'm sure. Uh, it does, yeah. does. You know, the, heat, the handy one does. And uh, you can just, like, jam that on a tripod and stick it wherever you need to go, you know? has an HDMI connector so you can hook it right up to a TV. Nice. Um, did, I don't know if you guys saw some of that. It's got four times digital zoom. Um, you can get, you know, super high quality audio. You can get, um, you know, microphone gain for precision volume control, which, and what that means is it's not going to try to auto correct the, the volume for you, which is one mm-hmm. of the things that can make piping stuff sound bad. Because whenever you go from high A to low A, it tries to change the volume because it thinks that it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Auto gain, low cut really filters for geeks who know that who, what that is. Um, and obviously you can just do it as an audio recorder too. Pretty cool, cool huh? I think it's pretty that neat. That is pretty cool. Um, navigation. It, that's, it a, that's a good diagnostic tool for for your uh, for yourself as well. Like even especially if you're just starting out, you know, you know sometimes, you know, the visual aspects of it help you sort of learn as well. Like you know how you're standing, how you're moving, you know, you can sort of diagnose problems in your way you're squeezing yes. the bag maybe or well, something like that. Well, and another obvious, you know. another obvious application too is uh, if you're a dojo student and you're using your manometer, um, you can put the manometer behind you when you play. And then use the video to evaluate how you're actually blowing. Right, without watching it, right? Because that's always distracting, right? Well, it's distracting and it's cheating, right? Like you're not going to get to watch yourself when you're playing in performance. So you can get like, you can get the truth if you had like a nice Mm -hmm. uh, thing, which is what we're going to get into. You know how um, drone, is it drone chorus and, and, uh, you know, these guys that make the really nice quality YouTube videos, you know how they're all secretly putting that little bit of, uh, reverb on uh, mm-hmm. pipe band recordings. Well, this um, easy software that comes with it um, takes care of that. Uh, you can put little you can put little bits of reverb on there, and then easily upload. See how this picture's got the upload button? Uh, my hunch is that it's super easy to upload to YouTube with it. That's cool. Different SD cards. You can get accessory packs. So anyway, um, that's the Q2, and they also have. Um, they also have a Q3. Uh, let me try and find it here. That one. Here's your H6. Yeah, here's, the Q, here's the Q3 HD. So oh, it's nice. got like a few extra features. It's got like the nice stereo Red mics here. Mics kind of, yeah. uh, it's got uh, quick edits. I forget what the exact changes are. But uh, anyway, I think that's a super cool thing, and uh, it would be cool to see some of those hanging around the games. I'm going to ask for one for Christmas. <laughs> Definitely. Or birthday. We'll see what happens. Birthday comes first. Um, anyway, so that that was the next thing I kind of wanted to show you guys. Yeah, uh, that's definitely cool. I, I mean, I, I find it's fun for me to play around with audio. Like, you know, it's when you're recording yourself and just sort of play around with different things and see how good you can make it sound and, um, you know, just sort of makes it a little more interesting just sort of popping on your recorder and listen to yourself play and then, you know, moving on to the next thing, you know, having a decent sounding recording is sometimes, you know, just as important. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, you have to spend probably a grand 
Like I, it would be, I'd be curious to see what Andrew Bertoff and Drone Chorus are using uh, for their videos because they're nice quality, right? Um, yeah. And but you know, I seem to vaguely remember like Bertoff's camera, I think, is kind of like serious. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't have I don't have a grand to spend on it. <laughs> yeah, because you have to think like you know you know this is like now you're approaching sort of TV level type capture right of, of of video and audio which is really kind of what you want but you know yeah you got to spend a couple grand or whatever to buy a decent piece of equipment it's kind of like photography it's the same thing you know these picture phones are great and they take decent photos but if you really want really nice photographs and you're into that thing you have to lay out some money for a nice camera you know but uh it's good to have a middle ground on this kind of yeah. stuff i mean one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, it'll be good for drummers too. And, um, you know, you know what Vin always says about drummers. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. <laughs> um, and so, uh, see, sorry, I just saw that pop up. I couldn't resist. Okay. So, um, so you go, Mike is asking who I'm going to ask for it. Um, I have to find someone in my life that owes me, owes me big. <laughs> the old debts will be repaid. Yeah. Who made, who made a note mistake at Max? Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm going to start with him. <laughs> uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss. Um, but anyway, Maxwell was cool, by the way. I had a that was the best Maxwell I've had, just as far as as far as um, just kind of being relaxed. Yeah. And not a whole lot went down, and I had a Good huge day. bucket of poutine. <laughs> Fans. It was cool. It was a fun, it was a fun day. It was a, not, a, not a blast. It's just they, those people know how to put on a games. I tell you, that's they do it right. Yeah, they don't mess around. Levels. Yeah, they don't mess around, and um, it was pretty cool. We got a first in piping. Um, from um, was it is his name Robert Robert McCrimmon? Uh, McCrimmon, yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, so that was really great for the band. That was our first ever first prize. In, in Canada. So that was pretty cool. pretty cool. And uh, the band played really super awesome. Uh, moving on. So the last kind of topic of the day that I threw in there is how, you know, and then Vin, maybe you could talk to me, maybe you could tell me, teach me about this, but you ever get to this point in the season where it's in August, there's still like six weeks left, probably at least in the Northeast circuit, if you count Loon Mountain and stuff like that, you ever get to this point in the season with your solo stuff and you're thinking this crap is boring. I don't know how I'm going to improve it any more than what I'm currently doing. And even if I do, I'm just going to get new tunes in the fall. And so you sort of like start to stagnate a little bit. You ever get mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. You just sort of like, just sort of do churning up the same stuff over and over. And maybe you're just keeping your instrument going or something. You're not really doing anything, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, on your sheet, or the comments on your sheet say you need to relearn bagpipes from scratch, <laughs> uh, or something like that. Um, this yeah. point of the year is not really gonna. You're not really gonna be able to learn bagpipes from scratch. Uh, exactly. You're gonna have to wait until the fall yeah. <laughs> before you relearn bagpipes from scratch. So, what what are some things that you could do to avoid the stagnation? I don't know. I you know I like you know I always like when when sort of the things are getting boring like that. And it's like, you know, because you're, you know, you're hitting your solo stuff and the kids stuff, you know, even the band stuff as well, because it's a lot of material and you got to keep going. And, you know, sometimes you just, it just, it's just worth it to sort of mix it up and just maybe play something else, <laughs> you know, for a while, you know, and just something that you might like to hear something you were thinking to learn, maybe just like take out a sheet of music and have at it for a while. And, uh, just as to like, teacher, just mix it up. Yeah, as a teacher, the classic thing that happens this time of year is I brought in these tunes today that I want to play next year for solos. <laughs> and um, this time of year, you know, tons of students are coming in. What am I going to play next year? Um, but it's like, well, you still have six weeks left in the season, and, you know, uh, there's still things we got to work on here. And I think people are just kind of like, you know, um, st stagnating. Yeah, I, I think so, sometimes you like sort of, you know, maybe the things that you've been working on on your solo stuff, um, you know, when applied in different contexts, time kind of makes them more, a little more meaningful, maybe. So I say we bring out new tunes, you sort of whether it's a brand new thing that you've been thinking of taking a look at or something that you've touched a few times in the past and you bring it out, but try and 
apply some of the things that you've been working on in your other music. You know, make sure you're aware of them and sort of thinking about them as you're going through this new piece. Um, they probably have, you know, more, a lot more meaning because you'll actually start to hear the things that maybe when you're playing your solo march, which is you played for the 3,000th time, and, you know, even though you might be, you know, phrasing it right, you know, it uh, still doesn't sound right to you or something, and just apply the same kinds of things to a new piece to see what might be going up, going on, you know. Um, sometimes a different piece of music has a tendency of highlighting those little sort of flaws in your in your rhythm or something like that, that say your current piece doesn't, or has a better way of hiding it or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's one of the big questions. I mean, I think that's one of the big issues, and I always have that issue. Um, I always have that issue. The good news in the band is that everyone is still working on things. I was going to be rude and say I'm still better than everyone, but I didn't say that. You see, <laughs> I, I switched. Um, and then if Eric Lett heard me say that, he would challenge it, and then that would look bad for me. Because, you know, anyway, I digress. Um, so the, the good news in the band is that we're still focusing on fundamentals a lot. So the band is super easy, which is uh, whenever we, you know, if we get to the point in the season in July where people are starting to get bored with the material, it's like, yo, punk. Uh, let's let's uh, try actually playing the material correctly, or let's try playing the material and, and focus a lot on on uh, tonal quality or something like that. Um, so th with the band, it's easy. With the solos, it's way harder because by its very nature, as an individual, you're you have done everything you know how to do to get yourself to that level. At least you should have, and if you haven't, um, that's obviously what you need to be working on. But, uh, you know, and so the changes you have to make are very subtle. But I find, you know, one of the things we've developed this methodology over the past several years here at the dojo, there's always, there's always a deep, dark corner in the methodology that you can focus on to stay interested. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's my, that would be my biggest tip is, you know, you got to find what you're worst at and then you got to make yourself a little project out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of times we do that in the fall, you know, before the season starts to really sort of work out things and, and, uh, and such. But maybe it's maybe it's a good just as good a time to do that, like while things are moving along at full speed, <laughs> you know, like, you know, OK, well, you know, I need one. Well, I'm just going to play Krungwitz for a while, work on my technique. And just absolutely crunch that the other for a thing while. Too is, you know? One of the things people are really afraid to do, which you should not be afraid to do. Uh, Andrew Douglas is never afraid to do this, uh, much to some of my teachers' uh, chagrin in the – is chagrin good or bad? I never figured it out. But uh, in the past, they're always kind of like, hey, why would you change that? Um, but you gotta, you got to go for it. If, you, if there's a change that needs to be made, you got to go for it, even if it's in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, with the exception of um, two weeks before the Worlds for the band, we're not going to do anything crazy at that point. Um, but, you know, if you get to this point in the season – most solo events as amateurs are not be all end all things unless you make it to like the nickel Brown or something. Cause you might mm -hmm. only get invited once, but you know, even if um, you know, even if such and such games is coming up in two weeks, it doesn't mean you can't dive in and say, all right, I need to completely revamp my D throws and all of my solo music. And you, you know, mm -hmm. you can make that a project. Suddenly you have something to think about. And even if for that next contest, your D throws aren't quite right yet, um, so, you know, even if you get fourth place instead of second place um, at that contest, it's worth it because you improved your playing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I run into a lot of people over the years, too, that just afraid to touch their setup as well. You know, they don't want to mess with it. You know, they don't want to touch it. It's like, you know, you know, like your drones really sound like they could probably be closed down a little bit. <laughs> and then they're like, no, no, I don't want to touch that. You know, it's like, yeah, are you kidding? Then they made it through the whole last contest. I don't want to touch them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They were working. They stayed on, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, yeah, but you can't be afraid. You got to be fearless about it. Just like, you know what? Or I need a completely new set of reads in my drones and just do it, <laughs> you know, just change them and play them, you know, um, you know, obviously you can you always some, go back. yeah, you can always go back. Exactly. Um, you know, changing a channel read is yeah, another thing too. That's I, I like, you know, the, they go, they can go south at any time, right? And then suddenly you realize it's two weeks before the contest. And you like this read has had it. You know, what are you gonna do? You gotta change it. You can't be thinking about it. It's kind of like telling a sprinter. You know, it's like, all right, all right, sprinter, 
this time you should try running faster. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I, ran, I ran at a normal speed, like, or I jogged in the last one and I made it to the end of the race. <laughs> I don't want to move my legs faster nope. when they're going. Crazy. It's crazy. Crazy, talk. crazy talking over here. Um, uh, Mike had a question. Do you use a five-year plan for band and personal repertoire? <coughs> I can tell you my answer, which is no. Five years is way too long, man. I, I might have one foot in the grave in five years. Um, you know, I might get hit by a bus in two years. I just don't know. Um, I, the absolute, my, my thing is a one-year plan. Um, and if the one-year plan absolutely can't work, then you're looking at 18 months tops. Yeah. I, my, my plan is it's like a next-time plan. You know, what am I going to do next time that's going to be better than what I did the last time, you know? What can I adjust? What can I work on for the next time? You know, whatever that next time is, next practice, next contest. Um, you know, it's like so each time it must, must be incrementally, you know, a little bit better, hopefully. I think, the, yeah. I think there are some things that can go out, maybe not quite five years, but I know some, some of our students have had the goal of, of reaching grade one solos. And that's not going to be a one-year or 18-month goal, um, so, you know, that might be a several year plan. Um, it just kind of depends on what your perspective is. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also like dependent on other things that are outside your control a lot of times too. Um, you know, How are I mean, you obviously, doing not outside your control. Yeah. I mean, but obviously we deal with a game schedule that's, you know, pretty consistent year to year and it's, you know, next year you can almost pick like when you'll be out, you know, you can say, oh, well, I'm going to go to these games next year too. You know, that's, and that's almost a 12-month plan out. Um, but really, that's more like just sort of a situational thing, I think. You know, a realistic plan would actually make you make changes in you, you know, your playing and your efforts. That would, by the time that happens, things are different, you know. Um, so, yeah, if I have a goal for making grade one solos and I'm currently in the grade three, I mean, that's that means... You need actionable plans, you know, actionable goals. Like, what, what am I going to do to uh, to make sure that happens? You know, um, I mean, and deadlines are good, I guess. You know, deadlines are are sort of a, a template to sort of prompt your efforts and sort of spur action, I guess. So, in three years, I want to be in grade one. You know, I'm in grade three right now. So um, now you have work to do. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know. Um, Gary's absolutely right. You know, it could take several plans to actually achieve a goal. I know I'm very familiar with that. Uh, very familiar with that uh, sentiment. And you're totally right about that. Uh, a lot of times you gotta, you gotta, you know, gotta implement a lot of things. And and you're totally right about. Um, and then I don't put a time limit on my goals. Um, for example. I, I told myself earlier this summer, by the end of the summer, it would be great if I could ride my bike up Thatcher Park, uh, which is a which is a really big which is a really big climb uh, for for at least for me for bad guys like me. It's like super ridiculously hard climb. And then uh, three days later, me and Carl rode up to the top. Uh, and so, um, so yep, there goes that plan. That was my that was my five month plan on my bike, and I did it three days later. And it'll be the same way with winning the Worlds, too. It's like, you know, uh, which is a big goal of mine. But I'm not going to say I want to win the Worlds in five years because, yeah. you know, it's highly, it's highly possible that next year we're going to go there and win. Um, it's possible. Probable? Anything I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. uh, but, you know, a lot of times you're ready before you know it. And so I think that's, you know, which is sort of the opposite. Like cause a lot of people are thinking, well, like, that could actually take more than five years to get that done. Um, but it could actually take significantly less. Um, for example, you know, how long, how long does it take to get on the bagpipes? Well, uh, most people would say absolute minimum is six months. Um, and then most people would say at least a, or other people would say at least a year. Um, you know, my answer to that question is it's whenever you get the finger work fundamentals down enough uh, to, to get to the next level. Or you, or you could just start now. It doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, well, you have to have the finger work fundamentals to go yeah. on the pipes. Really? I don't think that's true. No. You can go on the pipes. No. All you got to do is – All you got to do with my fingers. 
<laughs> you know? play a high A or a low A or, or one note or a low G. Yeah. Low as long as you can that. stay up and keep up and stay, yeah, and sustain a sound of some kind, you know, that's, that's the first steps, right? For anybody, for everybody, all of us. <laughs> Today, that was, it all started with that, you know? So. Yes. For anyone who was confused by my earlier statement, I am definitely referring to grade one. Um, yeah, we're going to win next year. Well, or, or, or at least we're not ruling it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, see, when, when, like, like what you said right there, and that's the difference between, you know, a goal and a plan. Like the plan, you know, you know, you have this sort of plan, you know, win the worlds. But now the goals become all the things that have to fit in between today and when that happens. So it's like what has to what what needs to fit in there to make you know to ensure that the plan is you know realized um, and the actionable things that need to take place and that that goes for everybody no matter what you're doing you know so you want you know I have a plan to play six times next season you know um, to go back what kind to, of things yeah. need to be done to do that you know exactly and and to go back to Gary's profound statements right um, the goal is to win the worlds don't really care when it happens, but the plan is very, very simple, which is mm -hmm. continuously do everything you can possibly think of to put yourself in the position to win the Worlds. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. See, people don't listen very well. So I'm not guaranteeing an Oren Moore win in 2014. I'm simply saying it's highly possible. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It's highly possible, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, to be uh, to just go right out after this one, I would say that uh, if you don't think it's possible, uh, chances are, um, chances are, it's not going to go well for you. So well, my, job, my job is right? to be that. My job is to be that crazy guy that thinks it's possible. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, do you think? Do you think? Uh, just throwing it out there, not comparing myself to Bill Gates, although I think we have certain similarities, especially given given the programming that I've been doing lately. Uh, you know, do you think Bill Gates was saying to himself, like back when he was like writing the code for Windows negative 4.0, do you think he was like, man, I think I'm, you know, I'm going to be a billionaire by like next year. Um, <laughs> exactly. He probably wasn't, you know, he was probably kind of secretly thinking it was possible, hoping it was possible, but. Um, and then, and then when it happened, you know, it happened, yeah. it happens pretty fast. That's been my experience, um, is when, yeah. when things happen, they happen pretty fast. So you have to work at it for like a bazillion years and a zillion yeah. hours. And, and it's really just a, you know, matter of opportunities and sort of things that fall into place. I mean, it's not, you know, and Bill Gates was, you know, doing that kind of stuff in a culture that was sort of, these guys were kind of doing it for the fun of doing it, you know, and if they could make some money doing it, that was great. You know, and they had a kind of a plan to do that and you know, to make some money if we could convince these other big giant companies to like buy our stuff, you know, um, which is the case today, too. You know, really, you know, when you think about it, but, uh, you know, yeah, you don't say, you know, I'm going to be one of the richest guys in the world. It's a fun thing to say, but when when's that going to happen? Five years. Yeah, when you're, yeah, when you're 20 years old, you're not exactly thinking about like, you know, <laughs> what you needs to happen. You're gonna hit it big. You don't know when yeah. you're going to hit it big. You know what I mean? It's true. I've got my speech prepared, you know, Jackie Bird. Andrew, tell us, <laughs> tell us how did you do it? And I'm going to say, I'm going to say something along the lines of, I don't know, just it was it was goal setting. It was not not doing the five year plan. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't. I woke up in a cold sweat one day, and it all came to me. <laughs> there was a, there was an article. James is absolutely correct. Why bother if you don't think it's possible? So as far as playing at the grade one level is concerned and doing what we're doing here in Oren Moore, uh, obviously, yeah, we think it's possible. Uh, I'm so much cooler than Bill Gates. Thank you, uh, because I play the bagpipes. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but Bill Gates is a Dojo U member. <laughs> oh, well, years ago, like when Shots was sort of in their heyday, Rad Matheson wrote an article, I think, for the Piping Times, maybe even something like that. One of the pipe band magazine, one of those, and uh, you know, it was basically the title was "How We Won the Worlds." <laughs> you know, that was the that was the title of the article. Like, you know, it doesn't get basic more basic than that. You know, Rob, how did you do it? How here's how, you know, yeah, it was just like so.
The cool thing about Rob Matheson is the coolest thing is as much as what he's doing is so different from maybe what you would call the North American method, he's got such a, a distinct plan. And I, and I think that's the, I think that's the magic thing. So uh, going back to, I don't think the plan had a time limit. It'd be interesting though, to hear what his thoughts are on it. Um, and then some people are saying, even when John Wilson lost the tips of his fingers, he still uh, did great things as a piper. And that is true. I yeah. don't think he ever found the tips. No, I think they were gone. I don't know the exact. I don't know the exact story there, but um, but yeah, obviously very inspiring. Blown and up, I want to say, didn't Donald McLeod endure a hand injury of some kind as well? I don't know. I don't know I either. So. I don't think so. Um, but yeah. Meanwhile, so good question about the five-year plan. Because I hear you hear that a lot, right? It's like yeah. okay. I'm going to have a five-year plan. For me, it's an ongoing, uh, super intense day-to-day Why put plan? an expiration date on your efforts? You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, that's, right. you know, that just, and, and especially if you're a pipe band, you're trying to attract personnel and, you know, you're attracting them with this cool five-year plan. And, oh, that sounds interesting, but, you know, okay, well, it's year four and now what? You know, that's not exactly a way to, to inspire five. people. Or you get to you year know. five and you've gone in a different direction. Yeah. You know, I mean, people need to stay inspired and they need to be, uh, you know, sort of interested all the time. And it's like if you're just setting an expiration date on things, um, it doesn't make it very interesting, I think, for me anyway. It's like, oh, in five years, we're going to do this. Well, why not now? <laughs> you know, like you said, it's like, why, why wait, you know? <laughs> so. Awesome. And as far as, um, as, far as drummers go... Um, drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Piper should take the advice. You know, do told. <laughs> Donald McLeod's thumb was hit by a sniper during the war. Cool. I knew that. I knew I'd heard something. There's also a great story, which we're not going to go into today, because I don't think I have it right, which in regards to how he escaped from, uh, was it the Nazis or the Russians or something? I about that story. Yeah, I have a vague recollection of that as well. Cool Cool, guys. Well, let's wrap it up there. Um, Thank you very much for uh, your thoughts and everything. And uh, everybody that's over in Scotland, best of luck to everybody. We'll see some, some contests on the weekend and we'll get, uh, get some interesting scuttlebutt and uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see if Carl can tune in from Scotland at all. um, And and he can tell us what's going on over there. That'll be cool. What contests are this weekend that bands might be going to? There's North Berwick and there's Perth. Perth. Yeah, yeah, Perth on the Sunday, cool. so so that'll be kind of cool. And then uh, meanwhile, we'll uh, yeah, good discussions, guys. Uh, thanks for making the Sleepy Wednesday a little bit a little bit more uh, bagpipe filled and uh, <laughs> exciting. Now you got me all fired up about my about winning the worlds next year. <laughs> I gotta get to work. Gotta get to work. That's right. You got one more than a little more than one year. There we go. Yeah, I was gonna take a break this week, but uh, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Thanks for coming. Have a good day.